Hi, this is Mav from the future of when we recorded this episode. I just want to say that our guest on this particular show was having a few technical problems that had some of his audio be a little distorted. However, I felt like the information that he had to convey was very important, so I wanted to preserve as much of it as possible. So I apologize in advance because there are some bits of this that will be a little hard to hear and a little hard to understand, but hopefully it's good enough that you can follow along and you'll really enjoy what you hear from um, Ray today. Or if not enjoy it, you'll at least appreciate it. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-acronym roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with... Oh, the regular people are missing. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, actually, it's a, this, is a, this is a weird show this week. We actually considered not doing a show because everybody was busy, and then some important stuff happened. And then my wife, Stephanie, said, you should do a show on important stuff. So co-hosting for the, sh- the show with me oh, for the no, first no time pressure. in a while. <laughs> hey, Steph. Hi there. <laughs> welcome back. You haven't co-hosted in a while, so welcome back. <laughs> have I ever? You have a couple of times you've been like you've been here. I would say that you're I would say, again, you're probably I, I, this is the first time I've been the, the only other co-host. Oh, is it? I okay. think so. Okay. <laughs> it feels like it. Well, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, you thought we had an important topic today. So what was what was the topic that you wanted to discuss? Yeah, well, actually, when I first suggested the topic of climate change, I this this was before Mansion was well. This is when it, it was, was looking. What it was the day before. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it yeah it was the day before Mansion. We this breakthrough agreement happened, and like everyone was super pessimistic. We have and, some international listeners. So who's Mansion? Just oh yes, <laughs> Joe Mansion, the Democratic senator from West Virginia, and in kind of United a thorn States. in the sides of many Democrats. <laughs> yes, even though he is a Democrat. Yes. So what did he do? So it seemed as if he was well, he was saying that he wasn't on board with the climate change bill after he uh, my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong he initially was like went along with it and then then at some point said he was against it then he was like working behind the scenes with I think mostly with Bernie Sanders I wouldn't and, say he w- was was for it ever but whatever okay <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. make make the appropriate edits no, was, no 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 it's fine okay but he yeah he, so he would say he was for it yeah I would but not yeah say. most most recently though he was against it because he felt that it would increase inflation and he was worried about you know the west virginians in particular who were suffering under economic duress which is you know that's fine but west virginia is also a very mountainous state mm-hmm. and my understanding is that half of the structures in west virginia are in like some kind of like precarious position where because there's mountains you tend to build buildings in the valleys <laughs> and valleys are what floods so there are a lot of mm-hmm. like a good portion of the population that's in like okay. so we should get back to that in a second we want to make sure we introduce the guests we do have a guest even though it's not so you proposed a topic to me and then yes. you said for a guest you said we should get my sister who's who, like <laughs> yeah who's like really uh, she's just a sort of a i consider 
consider her like a champion for she's an activist yeah would you have climate right. change okay so we asked her and or against climate change i should say yeah <laughs> yeah she's not tr- she is not trying to force the That's climate right. to change no be, she's oh. not in favor of that okay. um but she's on vacation right now and was not available so you texted her and then she recommended yeah she recommended um our current guest here okay um so ray ray roberts i'd like to introduce to the show hello hi this is ray <laughs> so how are you involved here so, so again dana is stephanie's sister mm-hmm. and dana recommended you and said this would be a good person to do this so who are you ray <laughs> uh, i am the citizens climate lobby state coordinator for the state of pennsylvania and about uh almost eight years ago now i founded the pittsburgh chapter of citizens climate lobby which is what dana is one of our co-leaders of right now mm-hmm. and uh my role since uh having handed off the chapter leadership and assumed the role of state coordinator is basically to help other chapters get started so currently we are in process of starting a chapter up in erie pennsylvania mm-hmm. um and citizens climate lobby is organized according to house congressional districts so that chapter is going to be a new chapter in representative mike kelly's congressional district because pennsylvania like much of the united states just redistricted yeah. this year which mm-hmm. is confusing to people who are not from this country but every 10 years the united states remaps how all how our entire congressional lobby looks and it's just a thing that we do every yeah, 10 based years based on the census for, yeah based on the census for crazy yep. reasons that are not really part of this show but might come up again so, <laughs> so because it actually is slightly relevant so just giving a little bit of context for non-american listeners sorry sure and citizens climate lobby has been working now for over a decade to pass federal climate policy uh and we've you know worked for a long while we found what we consider to be the best most effective and least expensive way to address climate change and we've been advocating for that and And this bill has a couple of small pieces of things that we have advocated for. Um, But basically, this Manchin Schumer uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 (laughs) is a very good climate policy. It's one that we are on board supporting. And uh, it has uh, it'll certainly be the biggest amount of climate spending that our country has ever uh, engaged in. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of really good things in the bill. Yes. So more feedback. This is where Stephanie was going before I paused her. Basically, this was being fought out back and forth. Um, well, I, I was going to say for the last year, but let's be. And I said Sanders. I meant Schumer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's. But yeah, but let's be let's be fair. I, I said for the last year, realistically, for the last several decades, <laughs> um, this has been being fought back and forth in various ways, not necessarily just with Joe Manchin, but like the, the question of what to do about climate change, which wasn't even a word when we started. It used to be global warming and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And um, then this was um, in theory dead in the water two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But then the weird, crazy thing is, and so for context of this show, because sometimes we record the show several weeks in advance, but if you're listening to the show the day that it drops, which would be Monday, August 1st, then we recorded this the day before you heard it on 
Sunday, and this happened on I guess Friday or Thursday. Thursday um, is yeah, when is Thursday. when yeah Thursday is when um, is when all of a sudden Joe Manchin had been entirely against essentially doing anything at least publicly. He had been against mm-hmm. doing anything about this, and in his words, well, it's not fair to do something like this that might raise inflation before the election. Now the Democratic theory beyond Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, two people who are senators uh, from the Democratic Party that you've probably heard us mention before on the show because we are not fans. Yeah. Uh, um, um, they had been holding off and Manchin's express thing was, well, you know, we don't want to force anything like this before, before, before midterms, which is insane because the Democrats are almost certain to lose the House at midterms and quite possibly the Senate. We don't know. Things are very up in the air. It's going to be a very crazy election. We'll talk about it again when it comes closer to November. But uh, it seemed insane to try to do nothing before then, but that's where he was. And it seemed to be uh, an entire impasse. And then literally out of nowhere, I wake up Thursday morning because I get I'm a news junkie, as people on the show know, I get news alerts (laughs) for everything. So I wake up to a dozen news alerts of Joe Manchin announces climate change bill. I'm like, well, that's that's clearly a typo. In a good way. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't it wouldn't be Joe Manchin. That would be, I don't know, maybe Joe Biden. Clearly, CNN Mm -hmm. has made a mistake and MSNBC and Fox. And what the fuck is going on? Okay, so so then I so then I have to, like, literally go in and log in. It's like, yeah, okay. so everybody is reporting this. So then I watch Joe Manchin's speech and and he says, you know, he's he has saved the he has saved the world. Joe Manchin gives a lot of speeches like this. So I'm like, you know, the fuck you have. Uh, I'm going to have to go listen. So um, so I downloaded the bill and it's uh, it's 740 pages. So it takes a while to read. Nobody likes to read congressional bills except me because I'm a crazy person. And so I've not finished it all, but I have been reading it. And for the most part, pretty good. I mean, there, it's not. Oh, yeah. I'm I wouldn't say I am 100 percent pleased. And to be fair, there is some wheeling and dealing um there are things that um like i read the first thing i did was i read the democratic caucuses the dnc's report on the bill which is only like six pages and it's but but Mm -hmm. those are always unfair because those are the things that make them look good so then i started reading the entire bill um there are things where i'm like "Eh, i'm not so sure about that you know he's he's basically he's clearly giving himself a way to make a pipeline which is something that he wanted so not great but okay and you know they're doing a lot of stuff it's not so much regulations it's subsidies for a lot of stuff which yeah not surprising that's congress like subsidies it's just what they like to do um, not what i would do because this is yeah. part of well because this is part of the reconciliation process in order to get it yes. passed they mm-hmm. really need to not dive into regulation everything in this bill has to be related to taxes Money. or mm-hmm. income and if it's not then the senate parliamentarian can say uh you can't do that part mm-hmm. right so so mm-hmm. which and we should talk about the other problems that cause too but, but we'll get to that <laughs> So yeah, I I read it or I'm, or I'm in process of reading it still. I might still finish reading it cuz it, it's it's not perfect. Um I don't think it's as good as um so what was the original? The original amount was like double, at least double. <laughs> double. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. The, the original, the, the original amount was more like 40 times. It's Seriously? Well, yeah, it's well, well it's in the well, trillions. Then. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's well, it was. Uh, do you 
you remember, Ray? I think the so if you're talking about if you want to go back all the way to the the proposed Green New Deal, which was never going to pass, it's like nine trillion dollars. Hmm. Is that right? No, this is this is a very good bill. It mm-hmm. it is not as big as Democrats had hoped for, but uh, you know, in general, it's going to be a major way to reduce the cost of energy for people and anything that you buy that required energy to be transported to your grocery store. So basically, you know, that's almost everything. Um, It's going to reduce the cost of that because the shift away from fossil fuels into things that are uh, using renewable energy is going to lower the costs of everything energy related uh, for American consumers. So we will see it reduce inflation specifically uh, around energy. So that, that's that's how it's taking the name, the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. It's just going to make energy cost less. Which is how they got Manchin to sign on, because Manchin yep. frankly doesn't give a shit about anything. Did they change the name of it to yes. make Manchin sign on? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, well, yes, it, it, the reason it's the reason it's important if you I mean, there's lots of reasons it's important, but the reason this specifically is important is because when Biden did his build back better plan, Manchin essentially fucked Biden over. Yeah, he, he said yeah. no, he said, no, no, no. I'm now to be fair, Manchin didn't actually lie. And I said that on the show, Biden kept, ever, kept saying that Joe was going to come around. And then the progressives said that Manchin lied. Manchin did not lie. Manchin said that he was not going to come around on this. Biden kept saying like Biden, if you either either lied or was naively, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, maybe he interpreted what Manchin said to Manchin him private, said, privately? It doesn't matter. Manchin publicly said, I'm not going to do this several times, which is why this is, this is such a surprise right. this time. He kept well, that saying, is putting pressure on him, right, <laughs> saying so, that he is going to agree to it. <laughs> yeah, he, he kept saying, I'm not going I'm to do okay this. That, so so when, when it fell through, that was to be expected. Now, again, I don't like Joe Manchin at all, but like he did say that he wasn't going to do this. So this is good. <laughs> um, it's weird because... As Ray said, it's the reconciliation, which was sort of held back. And the the Build Back Better plan had a lot of financial problems because they couldn't do after they got the initial thing passed, they couldn't pass any of the reconciliation stuff. So this is basically a lot of the financial parts of what Biden wanted for his agenda. And that's how. So is that just a phase of a bill, the reconciliation? Reconciliation. So, okay, in order to pass. Oh, God, this is going to be so confusing for people who are not Americans. And it's going to be confusing for people who are Americans who don't pay as much attention to um, Senate. If this isn't important, then. No, no, it is. Okay. It is because it matters because it, it, people don't get it. Okay. The way the American representative system works is we have two houses of Congress, the lower house, which is the House of Representatives, 435 members, majority rules there. So if something, if somebody gets 218 votes, they can just do whatever they want. Is that right? 435 divided by two. Did I do that right in my head? Sounds right. Yeah. I think I... <laughs> 218. I believe is the, is four is a half half four hundred thirty five plus one. Yeah. Um, was I right, Steph? Two seventeen point five. Yeah, two hundred eighteen. There's okay. no you yeah. can't have half a vote. Okay, so if you get two hundred eighteen votes in the house, one person can be like, eh. Nah, it does, no, that actually doesn't work. You, you, oh, that's a stupid joke. <laughs> but you, but in the house, having majority just means you can you can do stuff, right? Yep. If you can get people to agree. In the Senate, it doesn't work that way. In the Senate, we have this weird rule that, for mostly racist reasons, actually. 
that it takes mm-hmm. for new laws. It takes um, 60 votes. 60 is a weird number because there happen to be 100 senators. So it's not two thirds. We have some stuff that takes two thirds, which would be 67. And then we have most things take 60 votes or more, 10 vote, 10 senators more than half. Um, this is a problem if the Senate is equally divided, which it is right now between Republicans and Democrats. There are 50 of one of each party. So it's impossible to get 60 votes. It's impossible uh, for either side to get mm-hmm. 60 votes without getting 10 people from the other side to agree. So basically their power is reduced by this being just a pure majority, 51, 51 by doing this rec- reconciliatory. No, reconci- reconciliation is different. I'll get to oh, that in a second. Okay. So for regular bills, you need 60 votes for laws. Okay. If I want to pass a new law, if I want to pass a law to protect gay and interracial marriage, which is something that's in the works right now, then I need 60 votes. If I want to pass a health care plan, I need 60 votes. If I want to, you know, make something illegal, 60 votes. Everything is 60 votes. Okay. Once I pass a law, which is what Build Back Better was, I pass a bunch of laws. Um, I can get a legal framework done for 60 votes. And then I can work out purely financial things with 51 votes, Mm -hmm. including the vice president. That's called reconciliation. So long as I'm not changing what we're doing with anything, long as I'm only changing tax codes or moving budgetary things around, stuff like that, I can do reconciliation and I can do that long as it's just about money. That takes only 51 votes since there are, there are exactly 50 Democrats right now. And because in the case of a pot tie, the vice president gets to break that tie. That means I can pass budgetary issues with everybody in the Democratic Party or with everybody in the Republican Party and, you know, a vice president when it was, you know, two years ago. So that's what they did. They passed the Build Back Better plan. You know, they passed the law parts of it that Biden, like, got everybody to agree to a year ago. And then this bill that just that hasn't passed yet that they're proposing that Manchin signed on to would be a bunch of financial incentives and taxes and moving money around in order to make it. So, so theoretically, what, what Ray just said, theoretically, the law does not force people to um, to lower prices at all, right? Like it provides incentives to do things that are environmentally sound. And then the hope is that if you do that, things will become cheaper and then you will lower the cost of things. And then therefore inflation will go down. Now, theoretically, yeah, everybody in the nation yeah, could be asked over. In- yeah. So, you know, lowering energy costs, not just the energy that you use in your house, but also that you pay is the most risks that you will see these costs come down after this mm-hmm. bill passes. And the indirect things, everything else that had to be transported to your grocery store or, you know, Target or whatever, um, the, those costs will gradually be reflected, hopefully, yeah. in lowering the inflation rate that people have been you know, surprised by how much everything costs these days. Right. Um, yeah. So, and the other so good, good thing about this. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, I just want to make sure everybody understands because it sounds like, I mean, it's definitely good provided everything works out. But the trick was they yeah. can only do taxi stuff in order to make that happen. Like, because if they were going to change, if they were going to change a regulation, if they were going to change, like how much, how much carbon you were allowed to use on something like that, that's a law that takes 60 votes. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, back uh, at the end of the Obama presidency, there was the uh, Paris Climate Accord. And at that mm-hmm. time, uh, the U.S. made a commitment to get to a 50% reduction in how much fossil fuels we were putting up into the atmosphere um, of 50% of two. 
2005 levels. So we were going to cut mm-hmm. how much we were burning and polluting by half by 2030. And this bill, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, will get us to 40 percent uh, instead of 50 percent. So that means 10 percent is still going to have to be made up uh, somewhere uh, between now and 2030, where we cut that last, you know, 10 percent to get us through that promised pollution cut. Mm-hmm. So this is going to get us most of the way there. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you, you hear these numbers come out of the government and you're like, OK, yeah, OK, 40 percent. Will we really do 40 percent? Is this really going to do this? And there are already economic experts at two different think tanks, one at Princeton and the other one is uh, D.C. based and it's called the Rhodium Group. And both of them, their experts are saying, yeah, uh, we've already been doing modeling yeah. uh, and this is coming in where it looks almost the same as what was being uh, scored uh, before Mansion torpedoed it a few weeks ago. And so, yeah, we're confident that this 40% cut in pollution will happen, that this is an accurate set of numbers, that by running mm-hmm. the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, we'll get a 40% cut by 2030. Yeah. So what, what exactly does that mean? So the 50% level, does that mean that'll take us? Why? How did, how did you? 2005 yeah. numbers. Yeah, I know. But how was that number arrived at? Like, what does the future mean if we do this, I guess? (laughs) Well, um, so... Yeah, I've been diving into this for a very long time. I'll try to keep this as brief as I can. But basically, the Paris Climate Accord meant that every single country around the world who had signed off on this was going to promise to make pollution cuts. And the U.S.'s promise was, we are going to promise 50% will be reduced compared to our 2005 pollution numbers by the year 2030. Mm -hmm. And so that by itself is a laudable, good goal. It means the U.S. will be able to complete our promise. And then the other countries around the world will also have the social pressure of, okay, if the U.S. completes their promise, then we should complete our promises also. And so as far as the Paris Climate Accord, we're looking at keeping uh, global warming to two degrees Celsius. Uh, That's roughly about six to seven degrees Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. is ballpark of what that amounts to in <laughs> the U.S.'s archaic Fahrenheit system. So, you know, I mean, it's it's good. It, it's not the kind of thing that the climate scientists tell us we really should be targeting, which is one and a half mm-hmm. degrees Celsius. Uh, if we're going to avoid the absolute worst catastrophic kinds of things, mm-hmm. but two degrees was what the politicians were able to agree to. Yes, and they said, yeah, we'll we'll say two degrees is our our goal, and then one and a half is kind of our stretch goal. And the climate scientists are saying, uh-uh, you need to go for one and a half degrees if we're going to have a decent future. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is this is good. It's not as good as what the climate scientists tell us we really should be aiming for, but <laughs> it will definitely give us a little bit of breathing space. It can yes. much more doable for us to get to the two degrees target of 50% cuts. Um, it's, it's a major forward. It's just mm-hmm. as 
as much as we really are doing. And it doesn't do things like crazy, which what Citizens Climate League has been pushing for with, you know, using trade policy to strong arm other countries into uh, getting on board and all of us working on this in a way that actually has some teeth to it, as opposed to just making these nice promises in the Paris Accord. Mm-hmm. And is that what you meant by you mentioned that you found like some most effective and least expensive um, solutions to climate change? That uh, is that what you're referring to the trade policy, or is that something else? Yeah, yeah, the trade policy is a big part of it, and the cleanest way, uh, the most cost-effective way to address climate change would be to simply mm-hmm. put a tax on climate pollution. Use the money from that tax to protect the you know households that are going to be seeing costs go up as a result of raising taxes on fossil fuel pollution and then also use trade policy to get all the other countries to come along with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that is arguably the simplest policy solution and it's what CCL has been advocating for, but it's not necessarily the most politically popular because it involves keyword mm-hmm. or tax. So anything mm-hmm. with taxes, you either have people with their eyes glazing over because it gets too complicated fast, or mm-hmm. uh, you simply have this knee-jerk reaction where all taxes must be bad, and so we shouldn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a short way to do it, but uh, the thing that is popular is spending or tax cuts. And if you do those things, those are popular. And that's essentially what we're going down the road with Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 is a whole lot of tax and things that are going to uh, adjust spending or redirect spending. Um, the, you know, and by the way, that's a really, you know, one of the things that's been highlighted over the last, uh, I don't know, five years since, say, the Green New Deal got talked about mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, we need to protect people who are on the frontline communities, uh, people who are living next to coal-fired power plants mm-hmm. or oil refineries. Um, a lot of times those are people who are either uh, brown or black. Mm-hmm. And if they are poor, um, they're going to be breathing in pollution as far as <laughs> the, the worst things, you know, whether yep. that's coal-fired power plant or whether that's oil refineries, you name it. Uh, Steel mills, probably. Yeah, or even fracking, you know, the, mm-hmm. the depending on how fracking is done, it can have uh, chemical pollution that is really bad as well. Mm-hmm. So $50 billion out of this uh, Inflation Reduction Act is going to go to help protect those frontline communities, uh, their standard living better directly. Um, you know, comes to and the coal mining, uh, this would mean that a lot of the coal mines that have been polluting the water and the air uh, in West Virginia, uh, people are going to be paid to go clean those up. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot that will be directly helping, you know, and here in Pennsylvania, as a neighbor mm-hmm. to West Virginia, mm-hmm. we have a whole lot of uh, methane. and Yeah. Pittsburgh has like one of the worst and, like air quality yeah. Yeah. In, the, in the country. Yeah. Well, that too, but also like the, the whole. So the, is there something we can do about that? Cleaning up the air? This will um, theoretically help that. <laughs> well, but also, okay. So yeah. methane leaks uh, mm-hmm. in, in Pennsylvania. 
Pennsylvania and in West Virginia, there are all these old mines. There are all these old uh, here in Pennsylvania, especially the uh, mm-hmm. the wells, uh, oil wells throughout Pennsylvania that were just uh, poorly made or never really capped. And they're just mm-hmm. leaking. <laughs> they're leaking methane into the air all the time. And so, mm-hmm. so we're going to have money to pay people to go out and cleanly cap these leaking wells. So that's mm-hmm. great. Yay. Yeah. Which Would which, that be something that like a former coal miner could do? Could they exactly, be trained to do something like yeah. that? Yes. Okay. Well, and also, so, and here's, here's the crazy, so in a former life, back when I used to design software, one of the things that I did was I designed software, Stephanie, I remember this, to help trace and optimize natural gas lines um, throughout America. Um, one of the things that this would do theoretically is if you did it right, because what that methane is, those um, closed off mines, those abandoned mines, um, you could do this and use it to leverage and, you know, create more natural gas. It is a good thing. This is why Manchin wants it. Manchin mm-hmm. wants it because he can get his pipeline and theoretically, I mean, it's, you know, money. So again, I'm saying theoretically on everything because the problem with doing things when recon- reconciliation is reconciliation is always abusable, right? Like, so it, it's all about money. So theoretically, somebody could just take all these laws and then, you know, make all the money and and then just, you know, not do the things they're supposed to do. And that's a problem. But assuming things go right, um, theoretically, doing the mine maintenance that uh, that Ray is talking about should produce more energy. Like that's that is methane. You can use it for things like it's not like it's just leaking off into the air right now. So we could yep. take it and sell it. You know, that would be a, a thing that we could do. <laughs> you know, so it is a gas that, that does burn. So, you know, we could use that. I had no idea that that was a major cause <laughs> yeah. of methane. Yeah, I just thought of cows, so I just know about cows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's well, even some farming uh, improvements that are going to be part of this bill. So you may see cows burping and farting less. <laughs> Give them better diets, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, you feed them seaweed <laughs> and feed them garlic and both of those there you things go. Yep. will reduce their fart. Yeah. And their burp. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay, so we should talk a little bit about some of the trickier stuff. Because again, I, this is this is obviously a good thing. Obvious to anybody who's going to listen to our show. But frankly, no, yeah. it's not, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have a lot of listeners. Maybe we who, should like counter argument too. I want to talk about that okay. a little bit because um, okay. so so there are, so there's a couple of counter arguments. Now, first off, it, this becomes tricky because like a lot of arguments in Congress, and this is where I'm blaming both Democrats and Republicans. A lot of the arguments are disingenuous. They're not necessarily arguments over the principles, which is what Ray is talking about, and what's you know like so Ray's group is about cl- combating climate change. It's not so much a Democratic group per se. You are literally trying to do you're standing up for the concept of climate change mm-hmm. not for progressive policies um sure. just it, it, it happens to be mapping that way right now but that's just that's because of the sides that the political parties chose not for not for the intent of the group okay so th- with that said in theory <laughs> if we have uh laws that pass that help things like this they should be fine now, the Republicans are fighting this, frankly, because the Democrats want it. 
and because they feel screwed over by Manchin. Um, Manchin basically played both sides and, you know, that's how he became the most powerful man in the Senate by agreeing to not do this. Um, he was stalling, you know, he was not helping the Democrats with reconciliation and that's how he got Republicans to come along on a couple of recent bills, um, which are good bills. And then he, you know, he did this and he screwed over the Republicans who did not want to pass a climate bill that I mean, and for whatever reason, they didn't want to do that. Part of it was just because they wanted to hurt Joe Biden. And, you know, frankly, I want to hurt Joe Biden sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> so but like they, you know, it was disingenuous stuff. So now the Republicans are in a weird place where they have to fight this, even though this doesn't really do much that they're against. It's mostly, you know, it's it, it should be mentioned in an interview yesterday where he talked about this is not a green deal. It's a red, white and blue bill, which he just mm-hmm. thought was this very clever soundbite. And it was really fucking stupid. But he <laughs> but he he thought it was great. And he said it three times in the interview. Yeah. He kept saying it over and over. I again. bet like, some people like that. No. Yeah, I'm sure some people did. But like those, those people don't listen to this show. So screw them. <laughs> um, um, it was a stupid it was a stupid soundbite. And he kept saying it over and over again. And he's right. Like given what he's actually doing, as far as I can tell, there's nothing that's actually really against the Republican platform in this other than the fact that they don't believe in climate change. Like but like that. But all of that should be incidental to them. It's just good tax policy. So it should be fine. But they're fighting it because they're in the business of fighting the Democrats. And so it's going to be weird. And then when you have reconciliation bills, um, they're all since it only takes 50 votes, it only takes 50 votes the other way as well. So everything is very tenuous, right? Um, Yeah, this could get us on track by 2030. But the presumption is that in order for that to happen, we'd have to continue to follow that this plan for the next eight years. I don't believe that can happen. Like, like, like if you are asking for the pessimism, I don't believe I don't believe that the Democrats are going to have the House in 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 eight months. I don't believe we're going to have the presidency in two years. It's going to be really hard to stick to this. And that's kind of one of the problems with it, because it's not actual policy changes. It's just reconciliation. So that's that's one of my fears. But isn't it hard? Like once you give people tax breaks or give people something that Mm -hmm. it's harder to take it away from them? Um, I mean, it's hard to take it away from them without them getting mad. Like that was the that was the plan with Obamacare, right? Like the the plan with Obamacare is once people health care, they're going to be really mad if you take it away. Yeah, that kind of worked. Yes, except that now we live in a certain people, certain politicians whose names rhyme with rump um, have like basically Hmm. made their entire political policy being about I don't give a fuck if the people who are against me are mad, right? And if your base enjoys when you make people mad, it's Mm -hmm. kind of fine, right? So like traditionally, the, the traditional thinking of both the Republicans and Democrats was we are going to try and win votes. You know, we're buying votes from the American people. And I don't mean that as in a bribe thing. I mean, that's how democracy works, right? Like you stay in power by giving your voters stuff that they want. Um, that's that's how democracy is supposed to work in the United States and in any other country, except that Trump's entire plan um, and to the lesser extent, other Republicans and some Democrats um, have learned that an alternate way of doing this isn't worrying about, you know, giving people what they want. Sometimes you can win votes just by being mean to the people that you don't like. Right. So like and it, also you can uh, 
change the rules of the game to give your side a massive advantage, which is yeah. back to that redistricting. Yes. Yes. So they don't and, need to. So you don't necessarily need to is what is what it comes down. Like, yeah. So, yeah. for instance, if we look at the Roe v. Wade thing, right, like Roe v. Wade is depending on how you count the idea of having illegal abortions in, in the United States of America is between 55 percent and 85 percent of the people in America want this. And like the Democrats will tell you it's 85 percent. But even the Republicans will tell you that it's 55 percent of people. They will tell you that they're in the minority. It depends on how you count. Right. Um, but it doesn't matter because they like they 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 did it anyway, because frankly, pissing people off was part of the advantage. Right. Like there's people who are actively fighting against gay marriage right now. Do You know what percentage of people want in the United States of America want gay marriage to be legal? Like 80 or something. 70. Yeah. 80 is yeah, 80. If, if Again, if you were generous, but like realistically, 70 percent. So well, well over half of people. And that's not like don't care. Well, over half of the American public wants it to be legal. So you're playing to at most 30 percent of the American public who are actually against this. But you still do it because there is a significant amount of the Republican Party who frankly just like it when when you piss off the libs like it doesn't actually matter. Right. And to be fair to the Republicans, there are frankly a significant portion of the Democratic Party who just like it when you piss off the conservatives. Those people don't bother me as much because like I also like pissing off the conservatives, but that's for policy reasons. Right. So like but like I'm going to be honest about it. You can win, but you can win votes in both directions. Right. There are people who will vote for you just to hurt Donald Trump. It's the only reason Joe Biden is president right now. Like Joe Biden did not win the presidency on people who agreed with his political policies. Joe Biden won the presidency because he was stopping Donald Trump. And that can be enough sometimes. So I think this becomes weird and tenuous, right? Because if Trump takes over the presidency in two years, and there's a very real chance that he might, he could spitefully undo all of this and fairly easily. And will it be unpopular? Yes. Democracy in the United States is largely broken and has been broken for quite a while. We had a couple of things between the Citizens United campaign finance decision and then in 2010, the redistricting where Republicans were able to redistrict um, using new technology, which allowed them to carve up district in, uh, you know, with with modern analyses and ways of uh, breaking the country. And where we're at right now is they always had some protections for minority political parties. And now mm-hmm. we've gone so far in the extreme where you must have a supermajority if you're uh, wanting to have a Democratic uh, Democratic Party policy pass. You have to have a Democratic supermajority or you can't pass anything thanks to filibuster tradition, thanks to the campaign finance and the redistricting mm-hmm. and so on. And so really, our democracy is broken. There's a couple of yes. things you can do about it. You can either fight harder and try to get that supermajority to win or you can take what the attitude of many of the Trumpers was, which was to burn it all down and start with a new uh, fascist or authoritarian kind of uh, model. And worse. <laughs> yeah, get rid of democracy. And by the way, it should be speaking for myself. I've had to watch and try to analyze the things that are so messed up with American democracy. Mm-hmm. And I chose personally to try to dive in and work even harder, making democracy work, even though that fight to gain a super majority, mm-hmm. or you can take the attitude of Trump and his supporters, which is to burn them and start from scratch. And their preference is authoritarian 
and largely racist kind of uh, set of policies where they're in charge. Mm -hmm. Now, I still am going to keep trying to fight to make that Democratic supermajority. So that's where it gets tricky, though, right? And this is the kind of stuff that we talk about a lot here, which is you have you you have policies that you can fight for in the interim. And what we passed or actually, actually, I should rephrase that because none of this has passed. None of this could, as you know, as wonderful it is that Joe Manchin is on is on board with this. Kristen Cinema could blow this up on Monday, and for all I know, as we record on Sunday, it's already happened. Right? Like I don't know what the future is. This could be completely gone, or it could be signed into law by like you know Monday night. Um, it's not going to be, but it could be. You know, it's literally that in the air. Um, I like that we are doing things in the interim because this is obviously good. However, I would also offer that, um, you know, as a cultural scientist, <laughs> uh, there are there are tenuous there are there are risks here. Right. Because um, the flaw that I see here is, you know, we've got, you know, ever since this happened, Joe Biden is very much, you know, this is the most important thing that's ever been done. It's the biggest back package ever. It is the biggest package ever saying it's the most important thing that's ever been done. I mean, which is what he claimed is, you know, this is historic and revolutionary and it's like slow down a little bit because he's overselling it because that's kind of he's in the business of being a politician and he wants people to vote for him and his party in the fall um and my fear is that he's gonna is that people are going to look at this people being politicians are going to say well we did it mission accomplished we're done we're going to move on to other stuff um and that's bad because what ray said at the beginning even under the absolute best case scenario if we'd done everything that we trying to do two years ago with the uh, parts of the Green New Deal that we're trying to make it into the build back better, we still were only going to hit 2% instead of one and a half, right? Like that was the best case scenario, which was not good enough. And so the worry is that people don't try as hard now. Mm. And also this can all be blown up very easily, like I said. So, uh, yes. Yeah, but the thing is about climate change is you have these constant reminders in the crazy weather <laughs> that we see that it is an issue. Sure. So I think it's more, you know, uh, like being anti-tax when it affects like you can think that, oh, I'm going to be rich someday. So I think that, you know, and I might get a job from a rich person, so I don't want them to be taxed as much. But like, I don't know, for something like climate change, it seems like we can make it seems like you can spin this in a, a way that is more of a I don't know, more of a, a win for people kind of like to, to see it more more directly that they can actually gain something out of I don't know. Like what seems to be like right now we're seeing that gas companies are just gouging the public in terms of costs of, of gas <clears throat> and just like, I don't know, seeing that that is happening and that they're like basically it's the word like preying on preying on, you know, people that have to like use gas to get from one place to the, the next to do their jobs and get groceries and all that stuff is is really, you know, it, it should. I think it should like make people angry <laughs> and make people see that this isn't fair and i guess i don't i maybe there's still maybe there's so much like um uh propaganda on the sides of the oil companies that it's not going to get through to some people but i don't know it's i just... mean i guess but here's my here's my problem with it right like you say it's a constant reminder um except that yes it's a constant reminder but also how many people died of covid yesterday well i know but not everyone most people don't actually have a family member who has been 
I, I would argue that more people experience extreme weather than are seeing their relatives die of COVID. I don't, I'm, I, I would say it's a microcosm. I would say if there were a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, um, you would not have people doing what you want them to do. That is my, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand, I understand your argument. Um, I do not have that kind of faith in the altruism of the American public. Yeah. I have faith in the pack mentality of the American public and the expectation that they will they will continue to act along the same cultural trends that they've done for the last 250 years. So that's my problem with it. Like I I, I just I just don't believe that I, I believe cultural change is slow and I think this is a good thing. And I think what you'll end up having is like are we gonna blow up the America and and start over with a sensible system? No, we're not going to any more than we're going to blow up America and start over with the fascists we will gradually tug towards you know socialism and we will tug towards fascism and we will end up with some weird equilibrium frankenstein monster hybrid and that's just that's the american way and it's going to be the american way uh one can hope that if you fight hard enough it ends up in a good side <laughs> like i, I mean it, it's weird like, i don't say that without it sounding like i don't want it to sound all doom and gloom because again this should be a win you should celebrate the win when you get it um i i just i worry about you know how how fragile a win it is, is that fair yeah uh it's fair yeah <laughs> to me but i don't know i guess i'm not as pessimistic as you are i don't know climate change just feels different from other stuff because it is so real like you can't ignore a flood you know a river <laughs> a flood of water coming in washing washing your house away you or seeing that you see that on the news you don't see like on the news you don't see people like coughing and dying in hospitals of covid there like, are people who believe that 9-11 was close and that it never happened there were people who yeah well that, uh, that's that's a, that's, that's <laughs> i understand what that's I understand. a small minority of people it's enough i think it's pretty an, sure I it's hope. enough uh, i mean that's that's my that's my problem with it there's a you know an individual who I was mean, recently president in the united states and very well might be again in two I years. I mean, the, the percent of Americans who have who think that climate change is real and human caused has been mm -hmm. pretty sure steadily increasing yes. for a while. And it can, I don't think it's going to ever head in the opposite direction. So I think it's only going to get better and more sure. like more support for, especially if we, if people start seeing jobs coming out of bills like this or see that they can actually get a tax reduction when they buy a new car or put, put solar panels on the roof, which I would really love to do if we could afford it. <laughs> we can, I will, I, I will talk about it, but uh, it's, I don't believe it's that easy like you're you're working under the theory that oh people will see that it's in their best interest and they will work in their best interest i don't necessarily believe that they're going to see it and i don't believe that they're going to act in their best interest even if they do see it yeah if government is working there's a chance for democrats to win in this fall and when i say working it's so overlap into holding criminals accountable for january 6th <laughs> so yes. if we see democracy starting to work then that's going to be something that energizes Democratic voters and we can watch and see and hang on. And I think that will also bleed over into the independent voters because right now we have another Democratic, we have another party.
party in our country that is just fully committed to obstructionism and raw power and ignoring what's you know good for their constituents to the point where the only reason uh, to vote Republican tends to come down to uh, race and immigration issues. And that's the driving force where people are afraid. Government isn't working for them. So let's just burn down and make sure that we're being protected from immigrants. I mean, yes. And and I guess, Steph, you phrased it as you're optimistic. Ray phrased it as as government's working. And my fear is always, I mean, I guess that comes across as pessimism, but really it's just sort of, I I never, I, I never just inject optimism in, right? I just assume that people are going to act along trend lines. And yeah, I, I'm yeah. not really sure where my op is from, <laughs> to be honest. And, and I and 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 again, I want to be wrong, right? Like it would be great if it would be great if um if the country does arrest Donald Trump. I'll say that, right? That would be awesome. I have I, I am and this is a different show, but I am increasingly, you know, more and more worried about how that's so, going like, to work out. The effect of that would it just be to kind of like energize Democrats and independents who understand that overthrowing a government isn't like isn't a moral thing to do and having them getting getting them more involved in voting yes, and like that would be okay. that would be the hope now even that's dangerous right because there is a fair amount of people who think that if you if, if you put Donald Trump away um this problem go, go goes away there are a fair amount of people who are looking at remember I said there are people who are on the Democratic Party who are just voting to stop Trump there are people who don't like Joe Biden Joe Biden has the lowest period um, approval rating um, in modern history, and he has now sunk below where Trump was. That's bad. That's really, really bad. And it's scary. And um, he's he's trending horribly. Um, Doesn't mean I like Trump. It just means those, you know, those are the facts. That's where the numbers are. Um, What that means is there's a very real possibility that if Trump goes down, um, the Republicans nominate Ron DeSantis and there are people really trying to sell the idea that, well, yeah, we've got reasonable Republicans like Ron DeSantis, who is worse than Trump in every possible way, other than the fact that he's not an idiot, which I think makes him more dangerous. So like there, so there are problems like that, that I think when you're just banking on culture wars, you have to know how to fight a culture. And Trump, you, for all of his faults, knows how to fight a culture war. I don't know that Biden knows how to do that. I don't know how, I don't know that he knows how to lead one. And so if you, if you're going to do it, you have to stand on policy and he's not doing a great job there either. That's where it becomes tricky. This is good, but it's, uh, it's tricky and we're gonna have to revisit this again. Yeah. So, um, apparently we have resolved nothing. <laughs> yes. That's what I was saying. Oh, by the way, I just looked up uh, the, just to, uh, look up a Gallup poll to uh-huh. see if I was, you know, just spouting nonsense, but yeah. So according to this Gallup poll from starting at 1997 to 2021, there's a, an increase and I don't, yeah, it looks like a pretty steady increase in the percent of people who say that global warming will pose a serious threat in our own lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's like from 25% to 43%. Between what year, what are your years? Uh, for, like 91 um, and now? 97 and 97 2021. Now. Yep. Okay. And it looks like, yeah, it looks like there's like less, like less of a trend, but still like 65% as of 2021 of people worry about climate, about global mm-hmm. warming, a good or fair amount. 
So mm-hmm. oh, that's good. And yeah. that's between ninety seven and ninety seven and twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Okay, now um, I mean you don't have to do it right now, but the thing that I would the thing that I would compare that to is look at the amount of support for gay marriage that has happened along the same time period, and it's going to be even higher, and it's still in danger. That's my fear because our system does, as Ray pointed out, system requires super majorities for everything, um, for everything progressive, unless you're willing to, if you're willing to fight this as a cultural issue, the way certain aspects of the Republican Party are, you can do a mildly unpopular thing or even greatly unpopular, like ending Obamacare, and you can like get away with stuff like that, right? Uh, greatly unpopular, like overturning Roe v. Wade, and you can get away with it. But if you're not willing to take big swings, we don't know if risk- they can get away with it yet. What? Ending- overturning Roe v. Wade. They have gotten away with it. It's, it's- I mean, but I, it, politically, we'll see what happens in the fall. I guess. <laughs> but I mean, but like, but the, the, the point is, it doesn't matter if they if I mean, worst case scenario, they don't take back the Senate and they're uh, and they're exactly where they are now. Right. Like that's the the absolute worst they can do. The Republicans are not going to be you know, they're not going out of business this year. So absolute worst case scenario, they are exactly where they are now. That was their big swing. Um, Biden tends to be unwilling to take big swings like uh, like what could he do? He's you know, there's always a lot of, well, I don't you know, I, or the executive action is not the way to do this. You know, we've got to do things slow. Like he's not willing to, um, as Ray said, burn it all down. You don't have somebody on. Yeah, that well, side. we don't really want him to burn it down. Well, it depends on if you want to be. A, it depends. On, it depends. Right. Like how what do you really want? Do you want to burn it all down? That is a valid way of doing it, um, particularly if you're in a rush. And I don't know that. Um, I mean, uh, the public's only going to accept incremental changes. They're not going to accept like huge, you know, well, systematic it, like shifts. It, this is a much more complicated issue, but yes, you are correct. So you have to understand, you have to decide, you know, what hill do you want to die on? And it really is deciding that because sometimes people will pick a hill like I'm going to die on build a wall. That's the hill I'm willing to die on. Donald Trump was like willing to to die on the hill of we're going to build a fucking wall. Really stupid thing, but he made it everything and it worked for him. It worked out for him. Right. And then he, and then it didn't work out for him four years later. Right. Biden doesn't like taking everything on anything like that. So it becomes tricky. And I don't know. And that's what I mean by if you're, are you willing to fight a cultural war yeah, or not? I mean, but this is a pretty big deal. I mean, you're okay. not as happy about the bill as maybe I am. And no, 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 a lot no. of people are. But. I'm saying, I'm saying if it, if it is, if it is a big deal, then you have to defend it. And it has to be something that you're willing to actually defend rather than say, yeah, well, go either way, which is, the, which is the fear. Like Biden's lack of popularity, I think can be directly attributed to the fact that he does not take big swings. He wants to be middle of the road on every yeah. possible issue. Yep. And that hurts him. So if the, if this sticks, you know, great, you know, pri- I don't know. This pressure. feels like a pretty decently big swing to me. Yeah. Well, it's only been, I mean, it's been 48 hours. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we, you, as you said, we resolved nothing and we're getting through the end of it now. So Ray, I want to thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Um, tell people where can they find out more about, 
you, about your group, about everything? What, you know, what can they do if they want to get involved? Oh, as with most things, all you have to do is Google Citizens Climate Lobby. And right now, click on the take action in order to contact your senator. Absolutely. Hmm. And we will we will link. Um, you, know, you don't have to go, but we will link Citizens Climate Lobby in the show notes for this episode. So if you go and check that out, we will absolutely do that. Thanks again for, for joining us, Ray. Stephanie, sure. what about you? Um, well, uh, I don't really have anything to plug, <laughs> to be honest, but but please, like, please do everything you can <laughs> to fight for, you know, to fight for uh, this bill and to, like, move, you know, to help our, our, our children. We really owe it to our future generations to do something now. That's all I want to say. Right. Well, thank you, yeah, Steph. And, and in trying to repair democracy, we need to make sure that this current authoritarian uh, form of the Republicans need to be defeated at the ballot box. It needs to yes. happen cycle after cycle in order to get the message across to them. And then I can see a possibility where they will begin to change what they're trying to do rather than fall right. down. Mm, good point. Good point. Well, anyway, Stephanie, thank you for co-hosting with me today. I appreciate it. Okay, Ray, yes. thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places, at Vox Podcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com, where you can find out what we're talking about next week. And you can comment on this or any other show. Give us ideas for a topic, pitch yourself as a guest, and just generally let us know what you're thinking. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review if you leave us a five-star review especially on itunes apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm makes us more popular and really helps us out i would like to thank maximilian of thought for music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out i'd once again like to thank ray for joining us i'd like to thank stephanie for co-hosting i'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs> bye bye, bye.